One of the best ways to support the FTF podcast is to check out our Patreon over at patreon.com slash finish the fight for exclusive episodes, insights, interviews, and plenty more. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is Spartan 117. Anyone hear me? Over. Isolate that signal. Master Chief, you mind telling me what you're doing on that ship? Sir, finishing this fight. Cortana, all I need to know is, did we lose them? I think we both know the answer to that. All right, yes, we are ready to go. Welcome back, everyone, to Finish the Fight, a Halo podcast. I am your host, Jesse Reiners. And I am your host, Alex Kendall. And before we even get started with this episode, uh, last week we released episode zero. And, you know, it's really cool to see people actually listening and, you know, giving us some feedback about it. So thank you once again. Now, today we are going to be going over the game that started it all. The reason that we have this podcast and we're here talking to you about Halo, which is Halo Combat Evolved. Halo Combat Evolved is a first-person shooter that released November 15th, 2001 as the launch title for Microsoft's Xbox. It's not only regarded as the reason the Xbox was so popular, but also regarded as one of the greatest sci-fi shooters ever made. Over the course of 17 years, Halo has made over $5 billion with 14 games, 27 books, 9 comic series, and many other forms of media, including movies, shorts, tabletop games, toys, and even Mega Blocks, now Mega Constructs, series. This all started with Halo Combat Evolved. It's it's amazing to see like that this game has really taken off. It's hard to have a game series in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but to see that, you know, Bungie had taken a leap in making a combat sci-fi mm-hmm. shooter that has spanned almost 20 years and has just spawned off all of these crazy things just in pop culture uh-huh. in of itself and in the game. It's it's really amazing. Well, it's also like a, a franchise going as long as, say, Halo. A lot of people still don't look back at you know the early stages or even the very first game how many people talk about the first far cry or the first fallout like they do now you know i don't know a lot of people that are very in into those franchises that still occasionally like i'm gonna go play the first one you know 20 years ago or so you know they're very caught up in what's now 
Combat Evolved is definitely a game that people to this day will still go back to and play, whether it's for nostalgic reasons or they just genuinely loved the game. Exactly. And if you think of it, even just graphically, Mm -hmm. you're basically going back in time to a lower resolution, but you still had that almost same combat feel that you're getting in some of these later games today. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at, look at, if you're talking about game franchises, look at Grand Theft Auto, the original Mm -hmm. till now from this crazy kind of top down weird style game Mm -hmm. to the third person that it is now. I mean, it's a huge shift. And like you said, that's not a game I really want to go back, you know, oh, for nostalgia purposes, I'd love to play through that entire game again. Like, it's just, it doesn't have that same hold. Mm -mm, No, yeah. So that's why I think, like, a game like Halo Combat Evolved has, you know, stood out above the rest when it comes to the beginning of, of famous franchises to this day. So to give a summary of the game, which is what is officially on the back of the game, it says, and I quote, you are the last of your kind, bred for combat, built for war. You are the master of any weapon, pilot of any vehicle, and fear no enemy. Bent on humankind's extermination, a powerful fellowship of alien races known as the Covenant is wiping out Earth's fledging interstellar empire. You and the other surviving defenders of a devastated colony world make a desperate attempt to lure the alien fleet away from Earth. Shot down and marooned on the ancient ring world, Halo, you begin a guerrilla war against the Covenant. Fight for humanity against an alien onslaught as you race to uncover the mysteries of Halo. Before we go any further into the game mm-hmm. itself, we're going to talk about the company that started it. Now, we're going to Bungie Incorporated as an American video game developer based in Bellevue, Washington. The company was established May 1991 by Alex Seropian, who later brought in programmer Jason Jones after publishing Jones' game Minotaur, The Labyrinth of Crete. Which, by the way, I would love to do an episode where we talk about all the old Bungie games. All right, let's do it. I think that would be very interesting because I've never played any of them. Have You you've said you've, you've played some of those, right? I've played Myth. Played Myth? How mm-hmm. was that? Don't remember. <laughs> don't remember. It. Give me a quick. You, so you don't remember everything about it. Mm-mm. God damn it! No, I wish. I wish I could tell you, but I literally don't remember. I played it in school. <laughs> All right. Well, one of these days, I promise you, we will. Originally based in Chicago, Illinois, the company concentrated on Macintosh games during its early years and created two successful video game franchises called Marathon and Myth. Now, a funny thing I found about the early days when audio director Martin O'Donnell first started working at Bungie, he had this to say, quote, Bungie was a total seat of the pants operation at the time. It was a scrappy place, a bunch of guys, pizza boxes and sweat socks on the floor. It was like walking into the frat house or a dorm or something. So I was the professional and they were like a bunch of kids just goofing around. That was the impression I got. And then Max Hoberman, former series lead for Bungie, had this to say about Marty. We used to call Marty the elder statesman just to remind him he was old. I kind of like that idea that they seemed very lax, especially in the beginning, which later we'll find out maybe wasn't the best approach. But I still like that they had that kind of idea of just like goofing around at work. Because, you know, you hear about, like, these firms that are, like, super, like, uptight, you know, and you learn later when they go with Microsoft Microsoft that it was such a very awkward blend, Mm -hmm. you know? Well, it's interesting. It's great to hear, especially, like, being kind of a creative field, that people really don't know what they're doing to start. You just kind of, like, Mm -hmm. you just kind of go into it. You just jump into it. You do what you got to do. You don't have the money to start. So, like Mm -hmm. I said, it's just pizza and whatever around. Like, it's... it's, it's, I love that there were socks, apparently. At one point, a dude's just, like 
fuck these socks. I'm taking off my dirty socks. Well, that's like when you're working on something for like 20 hours, you're like, well, I'll just take these off, take a nap, here we go. <laughs> Which we'll learn, you know, at one point they were working 20 hours on Halo mm-hmm. a day. Now, a lot of people do know this, but at the same time, a lot of people don't know this. When Halo was first starting to get worked on, mm-hmm. it wasn't a first-person shooter at all. You know, it wasn't a shooter at all. It was actually an RTS game. So, Bungie was working on the sequel to their game Myth. So they decided that they were going to take the guts of that game and they wanted to make a sci-fi version of it. This version, though, was going to be different than Myth because it was going to have vehicles. And it was codenamed, it had several codenames as it was going along. Uh, one being Armor, one being Monkey Nuts, my favorite there, mm-hmm. and then Blam. Uh, the change from Monkey Nuts to Blam was so that co-founder Jason Jones wouldn't have to tell his mom he was working on a game called Monkey Nuts, <laughs> which I think she probably appreciated. <laughs> so what what game is your son working on? Uh, he's he's working on a, a monkey game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, neat. What's it called? Oh, Monkey Nuts. Monkey Nuts. So I had never played StarCraft. You said you had played StarCraft, mm-hmm. right? Apparently, this game was going to take huge inspiration from StarCraft. And from from everything they've shown through either little documentaries or mm-hmm. some videos of the early Bungie days, it definitely felt that way. It was kind of that three-quarter top-down, mm-hmm. um, scroll across your map, typical RTS, but specifically at this realm, was taking on the mm-hmm. kind of space elements that StarCraft already had. Yeah. And so, as well as this game wasn't going to have a story. It was just going to be a multiplayer game. So it's crazy to see that, you know, games that are renowned for their story, you know, Halo at one point wasn't even going to have a game. Mm-hmm. You know, but Halo before Halo, no story. It was just going to be multiplayer, which is, is that kind of what StarCraft is like? Uh, I mean, StarCraft, kind of like most RTSs, they do have a loose story with it. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I haven't played StarCraft in a while with mm-hmm. it, but you have your different factions and you have kind of different elements within that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you even have like little campaigns through like Age of Mythology or Age of Empires, which are also RTSs that will kind of get you into those elements of it. Yeah. So some some of the AI that this game was going to feature, we had heavy troopers, which was infantry units in an early iteration of the Spartan 2s. There was going to be a toolbar used to select command. You were going to have ground blast, which was something unknown, but most likely scenery. You had aliens, which were, at the time, the precursors to the Covenant in the final game. You had a precursor to the elephant, which later does not make an appearance until Halo 3. In fact, only Halo 3, and that's in the multiplayer. Now, some of the vehicles as well that they were going to have alongside of the elephant, you had the Ghost, you had the Zedzu, which was a tank, you had a Hummer-like car, which was an early version of the Warhog, you had an alien tank that was, it was an early iteration of what we now know as the Wraith, you have a, a Mauwitzer, which is some kind of cannon, you had a Starfighter, which was some kind of aerial vehicle. Any other vehicles uh, that were included later, you know, kind of came back within Halo Wars, you know, along with the, the Wolverine, the Rhino, and the uh, Cut Cougar. You as well had the Doozy, which was a single-player boat. Now, as they were developing this, one day, according to Bungie Legend, a developer fixed a camera on the Warthog and drove it around. Everyone there was so entranced by it that they decided, well, we're just going to make third-person shooter then. And then during the development process, at 4 p.m. every day, a 4v4 single elimination game would happen, and developers would play for two to three hours, just kind of getting really de- entranced and developing their game, mm-hmm. which, which is always great to see 
that developers like actually enjoy the game they're playing and they're uh -huh. not just pushing out some product for you know an investor or for a publisher that they really love what they're doing yeah I, and again you know now we have you know i don't know what game testing was like back in 99 but nowadays we have you know people who are working 12 or 16 hour shifts doing game to, you know testing but granted it's not just having fun it's how many times can i run in this corner before i can break through the corner and then run outside in the open world that isn't fully developed now we're going to move on to 1999 macworld at this point the first Halo trailer slash demo was presented at Macworld 1999 by Steve Jobs himself. Bungie had gotten into Macworld because their, at the time, Vice President Peter Tamte was a former Apple employee. What sold Steve uh, was Bungie's ability to render sunlight in real time. Once a point was made to Steve, he told him, okay, you're in. That point that they made was that uh, Steve Jobs had said, you know, listen, at Pixar, we can... We can render a hundred suns at once. And he, you know, I think it was Jason Jones had said to him, yeah, but can you do this in real time? At that point, that's when Steve Jobs said, okay, you're in. He was impressed. And, you know, Steve Jobs definitely wasn't wanting to work with anything that he didn't feel was like perfection mm -hmm. or, you know, very ahead of its time and advanced. And I mean, that leads into like days before they were going to present this. They didn't even have a name for this game yet. Uh, you know, they just, they won over Steve Jobs with it. They were, you know, super excited, but they really didn't have anything to present with it yet. Mm -hmm. um, and at first, it was just going to be called Covenant. Mm -hmm. It was just going to be kind of right in your face of what you were working with. And, and it made sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, it made sense. But shortly afterwards, the name Halo was chosen. And at the time, no one liked. But, you know, Jason, Jason Jones loved it. And he felt it set the sense of mystery and where they were creating for their universe. So, you know, then we get the trailer, which was, it was showing the old school Master Chief. You know, his armor was vaguely similar, but also, you know, a little different. I think it was a darker green. He had like a little mini gun. His visor was a little bigger. And it, it's just a quick through, you know, Chief runs. And I don't know at the time if he was called Master Chief. I don't think so. You just had this character. And he ran mm -hmm. into a Halo control room. And you still see a hologram of Halo. Get, he runs into the precursors to the elites, which were these kind of lizard-looking aliens that had horns coming out of their head. They had no armor, but they still had the swords. And so you, he leads them out, and then they proceed to do a quick battle. And then my favorite part at the end of the demo is uh, Master Chief's character, you know, who wasn't Master Chief at the time, waving a bungee flag. Mm -hmm. And then as well, there was apparently a bug within this demo that at any given time during this presentation, this could have crashed, and it could have all been over. But luckily, that did not happen, because if that did, maybe we wouldn't have had Halo. Maybe, you know, people were just like, nope, I don't want to deal with this then. Well, things like that, I mean, especially back then, even, I mean, now, at, at any point, I would say. Um, but to have something like that happen during your demo just leaves such a sour taste in the mouth of mm -hmm. fans or, you know, potential fans at that point. Um, you know, you've you've had a number of games out there that are just buggy kind of junk mm -hmm. coming out, and you could have just thrown this right on top of that pile. Yeah. Well, it's actually ironic, you know, we were talking about this bug and and at Mac World with Steve Jobs. When he was presenting the first iPhone, he had to keep switching iPhones out because the ones he had in his hands were crashing. Mhm. Mm cuz you know at any point nowadays it's a little different cuz they say this iPhone's going to be out in a month, but you know at the time he had to keep switching it out, which I kind of think is 
pretty impressive for a guy like that to kind of do sleight of hand in front of an audience and we all sold it. It's not the most popular phone. Exactly. And it's it's great. I mean, and the, the biggest thing was that all that hype that built up around that mm-hmm. um, really got people talking and really, really got people excited about Bungie as a studio itself. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, they, everyone was talking about the game from Bungie that looked and sounded different because it mm-hmm. starts with that that music, you know, that, that Martin made that, you know, we all know and love today. So Halo was going to be a huge step away from the shooters at the time, whereas the former were closed in the corridors. Halo was going to introduce us to vast open levels of the, to the player in this shooter genre. Lots of people did not think, though, that Halo could potentially sell on the console because consoles at the time didn't compare to what PC shooters were. I mean, you had games on PC like Unreal Tournament, Team Fortress, System Shock that really defined PC gaming. So it was super odd when a game like Halo going into a console realm. Mm -hmm. Because most console shooters, they were kind of on rails. Like you just kind of went down a corridor, did your thing, went to the next thing, and it kind of just kept it in tight so that it can kind of guide the player to where they set up their NPCs. Yeah. Um, But Halo open that up and you see it right after the first mission when mm-hmm. you crash land and it's just a wide open green spoiler landscape. alert oh <laughs> get a little out of myself. but it is it's 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 one of those games where you start off in a ship and then you're like okay so i'm in this ship and going around it's which a is open. it has that but it still has that rail kind of exactly setting. it still has the rail setting as most games still do and this was a little more traditional mm-hmm. but then when you get to that drop pod and you're like oh, I can go anywhere, and on this mission, I can complete any of the objectives in any order? Yeah. That's huge. Yeah, especially, you know, for for the console shooters of the time. Exactly. Uh, But, you know, this game, before, you know, it changed to a first-person shooter, it still had a lot of Halo elements, as we had said before. But there's a lot of things that didn't make it into Combat Evolved. Mm -hmm. We could talk for the weapons at first. Few things they had. They had a spear gun Mm -hmm. because they were going to have underwater missions, which to this day is still a discussion that people talk about. Is that possible for Halo? Please no. Which is a discussion for another time. Uh, The short of it, Alex says no. No. Give me a decent underwater mission. I will will wait. (laughs) (laughs) If anyone out there can give me one, let me know. (laughs) They had uh, the Gatling gun, which, you know, later makes its way back into Halo 3 when you can take, you know, unmount them. Uh, You had a machete, which is still, to me, crazy to think that they have machetes at one point in Halo. Mm -hmm. You actually had a very early version of the Mauler, something we did not see again until Halo 3. You had a certain kind of alien sniper rifle, which we don't get until Halo 2. You had a flamethrower. You also had an anti-air rocket launcher, different from the rocket launcher that we ended up with. Mm -hmm. You get the SMG, something we get later in Halo 2. You get the gravity wrench, which is kind of a a two-handed gun that has basically what looks like a wrench on the end of it. From the demo video, I think it launches out plasma or energy or something. There's not a lot of info on it. Interesting. You also had a grenade launcher. Now, as for enemies, the Sharkoi was cut out, which we later find out it is a cannon enemy. It's this, I think, 17-foot-tall cyborg, and it has two, two horns coming out of its forearms. Okay. And so, you know, there is some some lore behind it that we'll go into eventually. The Sharkoi was essentially a remake of the Drenol enemy from the Marathon game, of course, another game developed by Bungie. We also had engineers in the original Halo 
which would, you know, we'd eventually get in Halo 3 ODST. There was also this giant worm that I'd seen a video of it. It looks like a rock and then it comes out of the ground and it's 30 or 40 foot tall, I think. And it kind of, it had a bluish body. That's all I really could get out of that. I didn't know. So just super odd for the universe, it feels like. Like it doesn't, I'm glad they cut it because it seems like something that wouldn't fit yeah. in the, the scale of it. Well, Halo's not a game to really have boss battles, really. Exactly. Other than Halo 5, and then I think we have Tartarus. Other than that, we don't really have boss battles. And then uh, the Covenant Bomber, which was an aerial vehicle, was also cut. Now we're going to get into the buyout part of Bungie, you know, mm-hmm. their change of hands. Even though that there was hype for this game, Bungie was going broke, and they were about to go under, and they needed funding, and they needed to be bought. Once Bungie was acquired by Microsoft, they had moved to Seattle, and they were tasked with making Halo playable on the Xbox, even though the the Xbox was only announced a few days before Bungie ever met with Microsoft. Which is crazy. I mean, it's it's, it's yeah. one of those things where, even looking back when they announced, like, all right, so the uh, Xbox is announced. Cool, Bungie, we need you to make something. Yeah. Like, we like what you have. We really need it. So take everything that you've just been doing and change the programming. Make it look the same. Just change the fucking program. Just change it all if you could uh, in a really short amount of time. Yeah, which we find out later is nine months, basically. They had to do this all in nine months. So, you know, after reading that, what complaints I did have about this kind of, you know, I backed off a little bit because I was like, okay, they still made something great in nine months. Mm -hmm. No, the team wanted the players to feel as though they were truly a part of the game. So they decided to make that transition into first person because, you know, you didn't really get the you were looking through the eyes of this character unless you were first person. Mm -hmm. So another huge component about this is that they wanted to have the perfect controls and PC shooters at the time were infinitely better controls than console controllers, which would you agree to this day? Personally, I have, I have a lot of people. I've never met someone who's like I like, you know, who have played just as much of both. I mean, like I like controllers more. I grew up on console mm-hmm. and knew it very well. And then when I was able to buy my own parts and buy my own computer, mm-hmm. like definitely changed. Like being able to actually aim with a mouse as opposed to an analog stick is huge. Yeah, see, I is this something you can explain or because I've played, I've played like no PC games. Well, so basically, you can ch- obviously on a controller mm-hmm. you can change your velocity and the way that the stick moves and your x and y axis yeah now it's a little hard when you're when you're running a gun and you got two sticks moving mm-hmm. so you're trying to like move this joystick basically to kind of position where you want your gun to be yeah whereas on a computer think of it as your mouse pointer is your reticle and mm-hmm. you're basically just moving that however you want it to be okay so so it's easier to whip around you know get pinpoint accuracy instead of kind of fumbling like with a little bit of a joystick up down left right trying yeah. to get that perfect shot lined maybe one day i'll know maybe. but but not today now another thing i liked about this and we had talked about this is how a lot of microsoft employees you know who weren't working for bungie wanted in on halo mm-hmm. but the bungie employees were really really territorial you'd have someone say hey you know i really want in on this game can we have lunch sometime and they would just be like no like you don't get in on this and it makes sense because i mean they've been working on this for a while it's transitioned uh-huh. from an rts top down to a third person to here and it's been their blood sweat and tears mm-hmm. and their own bootstraps getting it this far yeah and to i to me that may be a kind gesture but if i'm doing all this work 
And these Microsoft employees are like, oh, I'd love to help. And then they get their name on this game. And mm-hmm. they've done, you know, they may do five months of work or something, even though I've done years. Yeah. It's just a big slap in the face. Well, we talked about, you know, this kind of, this this not good blending of Bungie and Microsoft. You know, they were all given cubicles mm-hmm. at the time. And they said, we don't want this. We want like an open space to collaborate and everything. And Microsoft was hesitant about that because, you know, only like higher ups got those kind of settings, you know, and they were like, well, no, this is how we've been doing this. Like we need this, this kind of open setting. And I think at one point they gave them a different area to work in and they also hated it. So it's kind of ironic that they're like, you know, we're broke. We need to get bought. Once they're acquired by Microsoft, then they kind of get this diva mentality. And I don't want to say diva, but that's the best way I guess I can describe it, even though. I feel like that word has a negative connotation in this instance, but, you know, there's a mentality of like, cool, you got us. Now, if you want a good game, you have to work with us now. You have to give us what we need. And it makes sense. I mean, Microsoft has, since Bill Gates started it, it's a huge company, and now we're in 99, uh-huh. 2000. It's a huge corporate company. Mm-hmm. And you're now being, okay, we have PC gaming, which they're not really doing anything with. There's other companies that are working on Windows doing that. And now they're saying, we want a console. Yeah. And we're buying game companies. And you're going to conform with how we do everything every day. So it's you're taking people who are used to this crazy, you know, fret boy, fun, creative lifestyle and being uh-huh. like, all right, suit and tie it up, work in a cubicle, do it over chat, do it over email, and we'll figure it out. Yeah, and they that didn't really fly with them. So it was it was a rough transition. Mm-hmm. And another thing that, you know, made kind of things matters not worse, but kind of annoyed Bungie was that Microsoft felt Halo itself was not a good title. You know, they they didn't know what this game was. So they made them add Combat Evolved at the end. And Bungie hated that. But, you know, they didn't have a choice in this matter. That's why I say on the side of this game that I'm holding, it just says Halo. Mm -hmm. On the official soundtrack, it just says Halo. They fought tooth and nail to, you know, make sure that Combat Evolved appeared as little as possible, which I kind of find funny. And I can appreciate that. Like we said, it's been their game forever. Do I think the change Microsoft added helped? In a way, yes. You Those two words help me know, okay, so this is some type of fighting game mm-hmm. or something. And then seeing that there's a gun on the cover, all right, it's a shooter. It's yeah. a whole different way of, of doing it that wasn't, you know, a Call of Duty, an Unreal Tournament, like anything like that. It's, mm-hmm. it's a different game. Yeah. And so, you know, as we had mentioned before, before, 90% of Combat Evolved was developed in nine months, with developers working 16 to 20 hours days, six days a week. Now, as it was being developed, of course, at the 2000 E3, we saw the newer demo. We saw, we went from the third person demo to now we have the first person demo. And even though, for the most part, 90% of that demo was very similar to what we have now, there were a few differences. And one of the biggest differences, I'd say, was that the elites had shields mm-hmm. and Master Chief's voice. If we go to that part there where he was basically a robot, if you remember hearing that, you know. Yeah. I mean, you, you I guess... When you're trying to plan it, you don't really have a voice. And it could have been. Mm-hmm. Didn't have a voice actor. Didn't have a real thing that they wanted to do. Yeah. Wanted to make it more futuristic. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could have been anything. And then if you want to dive a little bit more deeper into Elise with Shields. Now, everyone knows they have an overshield. Uh-huh. Uh, but what did they have in this demo? They had these these she- the arm-mounted shields mm-hmm. like jackals. But Elites were the only covenant that we see in this demo. And they were almost... The geometry was very just straight, you know? And it was like... I think two or three triangles that okay. made up the shape of this. It's very hard to describe this, you know, on 
audio when we have no visuals for you at the mm-hmm. time to, to show you. And uh, in the demo, Master Chief snipes out. Again, I don't think at the time Chief... I could be wrong. Chief was still named. It was just a character. Uh, but, you know, snipes out these elites and these Marines work their way into this forerunner uh, architecture down to the basement levels. They get ambushed by elites. And so they get chased out. And whenever an elite's about to kill uh, this final Marine, we hear the famous line, uh, your destruction is the will of the gods and we are their instrument. This comes from an elite. Mm -hmm. And then Chief, (laughs) it's kind of silly, just Chief walks up out of nowhere with an energy sword and just stabs the elite and then they're done. And then, you know, we hear, again, Chief's very robotic voice, which at the time they didn't have uh, Steve Downs for him, which I can only imagine where the franchise would be without Chief's iconic voice. Mm-hmm. It's 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 funny because looking back, you know, seeing those banners at E3, mm-hmm. seeing like Master Chief on those was, was such a cool thing to look back on. Um, I mean, I'm seeing on Reddit, there's so much more Halo activity and just mm-hmm. seeing a lot of those things that people are posting from back then is just really cool mm-hmm. to get that little nostalgia trip. Yeah. And so uh, one other kind of thing that I wanted to mention is that there were two enemies in this demo, or at least one or two, that you didn't see later on. You had, uh, the it was called a thorn beast. Mm-hmm. It basically looks like a stegosaurus with like a little person's head. Okay. And then you had a blind wolf, which that's what they called it. It was a, or I think the official name is a thorax, which these, both of these are canon creatures in the universe, you know. And the blind wolf was almost like a Tyrannosaurus rex with no eyes tiny and no arms and i believe at one point this was a writable thing uh within the third person era of this game being developed you could actually get on this thing and fucking hop around again i i always imagine what what if these little things had stayed here and there and it would be fun if in somehow in a forge or something, it's some secret unlockable that they just happen to like sneak in there and you have mm-hmm. to like do a certain input and boom, you got Thorn Beast. You have Thorn Beast. Yeah. Now. One of the really cool things that as Bungie's wrapping up development, mm-hmm. they're going through and they're getting finished with the story and progressing and, and, you know, basically polishing things off. They came up with the idea that Master Chief at the time would need a companion. Yeah. So in their last game, Marathon, they had an, a- an AI named Durandal, which was named after a legendary French sword. So I am probably butchering that name. No, I, I was I was actually going to say it completely different. So you're probably, I'm assuming how you pronounce things are right compared to how I pronounce things. I'm sorry, French people. <laughs> but since these swords came in three, the other two names were Cortana and Joyeuse. Joyeuse? Joyeuse. We're going to go with that. Joyeuse. They went with the former Cortana uh, because it's not a really hard name to say. Yeah. But also, just because it's it's a neat name. It's just an easy name yeah. to say. And like you said, it still goes with their, yeah. their trio of well, swords. I, well, I also think they said that the other one just sounded stupid. It, it's yeah, too it, French. it is. Yeah, too French. It's too French for this. Too French. Which wouldn't have worked because <laughs> Cortana was supposed to be British. Yeah. Which is crazy. And it's, and it's due to the voice actress Jen Taylor's former role playing british actor that they dropped the accent yeah again how would cortana what would it be like if cortana was british i actually don't think it would be much different honestly like the the way her accent if you want to say that's what it is now mm-hmm. it's already so prim and proper i mm-hmm. in my head i had to go through with her voice lines be like 
she's not British. She's just very prim and proper. With yeah. it. And it's just a, it's a unique voice to it. Well, she still keeps some of those, uh, she says like sawed off and all these other things. Now, when it came to creating Master Chief, which this, this actually kind of was interesting to me. Eric Nyland, uh, the author of The Fall of Reach, actually came up with the name John when they were, then, you know, when they were writing the book to act as the precursor to Halo Combat Evolved. But in the game, they didn't want people to know him as John. They wanted to give him a military rank. So after some research, they settled with Petty Officer Master Chief. Halo was being worked on and developed all up until the last minute. Multiplayer as well was something that was almost cut entirely. But, you know, they even, you know, they say, oh, well, think of what would have happened. Mm-hmm. That's half half of Halo right there. That's half of the reason it's so popular. It is. And you can see what, how they kind of could have cut that in Halo 1. They just yeah. had these kind of open maps, threw some vehicles, and kind of had these open spaces like you do in, in the rest of the single player. But it would have changed. I, I think Halo would have not been as successful as it was no, without that multiplayer. absolutely not. You know, but development was, was so crazy and hectic that at one point the question was asked, what are we cutting, the shotgun or the sniper rifle? Initially, the shotgun was cut, but a lot of the employees stayed late during the final weeks of development to make sure we got the shotgun. Well, yeah. How else am I going to kill the flood? It, for, not easily. I'm not going to snipe him? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the game is getting ready to come out, and we have some marketing for the game. Now, even before when it was still going to be on the Macintosh, it was on the cover of CGW as the next big thing. Mm-hmm. And I still think... That saying that all throughout Combat Evolved's development, it still held true. No matter what, Halo was going to be the next big thing. Another trailer I really liked is for uh, Halo before it had came to the Xbox. Uh, they had a trailer showing off the GeForce 2 GTS uh, graphics card that they had, and it was a Marine holding up the card. And at one point, he actually uses the the graphics card as a flamethrower against a bunch of elites. What? I actually thought it was fucking hilarious. That's awesome. Now, we had uh, some initial gameplay trailers for whenever it was going to be released on the Xbox. And then, you know, we also have a trailer of, you know, Sergeant Johnson yelling at the viewer, presenting to the player who your enemy was, even though it was only showing a grunt. And then at the end, shoots it. And then, of course, we have a really just classic, some cheesy narrator talking about fighting the covenant and you know you gotta get that blood boiling you gotta get people excited dude it was if you if you go and you watch that trailer it's so 2000 it's so early 2000 which is which is beautiful (laughs) i wouldn't have it any other way i still love just like little things that you could tell like cortana's like haircut was very like oh my god which one of the developers dated this girl this punk rock girl from the late 90s who was really into no doubt And had some kind of tribal tramp stamp. Basically, that's the impression. That's who the French sword became. (laughs) Pretty much. And on that topic of uh, beautiful French swords, uh, another marketing tactic that they had um, was the Cortana letters. And so before Halo Comet Evolved was released, a series of these oddly cryptic emails were sent to marathon.bungie.org and, you know, had to have these decipher, these cool emails, and they're supposedly written by Cortana. But the biggest factor of it was that the contents were greatly out of her character. Mm-hmm. which i assume it's hey intern write these things this is the character let's do it yeah well, that's I, one idea yeah i would love to do just a whole episode about those mm-hmm. um because they're out there and all up until 2014 i believe 
marathons or marathon.bungie.org was receiving updates, which that means we'll have to do some digging. Oh, so it's going to be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and one of the cool things, too, was that in those emails, mm-hmm. they also showed off her hacking skills. Like, as you see within Halo Combat Evolve, you see all that she can do. So it's kind of cool that they included that she's this kind of really badass AI that can kind of manipulate work uh-huh. her way in. And so they did this um, with the 1.3 version of Bungie Game Myth, The Fallen Lords, on the CD. These messages provided a small glimpse of the Halo trilogy plot, which is huge. Yeah, which, again, I would love to actually do an episode about this eventually and dissect, you know, whenever she says something, be like, oh, shit, that's what she was talking about. Like, they about. already knew what was going on in 3, mm-hmm. and we just had to wait years. Yeah, <laughs> which, you know, it... Some of the ideas they even had for two, like I, I can't wait to do the episode for Halo Two because some of the ideas they had were pretty damn crazy. Mm-hmm. But then you see them transfer later into a book or a novel with sure. a different character. So I'm really interested to see what actually made it and then what into the game and what made it into a book or a comic. Mm-hmm. Now that we have Halo Combat Evolved, the game, let's talk about all the basics of the game, like the enemies, the weapons, etc. Sure. So the Covenant is the main enemy. And they are made up of elites that look like squids. That was in my notes. <laughs> well, your note says it looks like squads, by the way. But... <laughs> so yeah, we had the elites who were the top dogs. They're, mm. the, they're the big baddies. They were the commanders of any time you'd see an infantry of enemies. Typically, there was always elites there. And yep. they were always the commanding officers. Next, we had the grunts. Which are the cannon fodder? Kind of, you know, as you as we were talking about earlier, the second an elite dies, all the grunts scatter. They don't know what to do. It's in their nature to just kind of be chicken shits. Well, exactly. I mean, because because they're there with their fearless leader, and then once they see him die, it's like, oh, well, oh, oh, oh shit, shit, out of here, oh shit, um, oh shit, yeah. And and along with that, you also had the jackals, mm-hmm. um, and the jackals were the ones that we talked about earlier with the elites having shields. They're mm-hmm. the enemy that then gets this kind of circular shield, mm-hmm. um, and they are loners, but also go in packs with the rest of them. Yeah, so they're involved with it, but it, it's they're kind of in the middle. You know, they're not the commanders, but they're not bottom of the barrel. Mm-hmm. Something interesting, you know, the, uh, there were two versions of the jackals. You had the ones that were black and the ones with the helmet, mm-hmm. which you know we were we played through this a few days prior to recording this episode. We thought let's just get one last playthrough in and take a bunch of notes you know and the and we both forgotten that the the jackals were black that, that one without the helmet yeah and they, they looked much more like chickens at the mm-hmm. time just much more bird-like uh-huh. and taking on that entire kind of dinosauric structure yeah i think they definitely looked like they were evolving from dinosaurs to birds they were basically going to become tiny chickens but they're in the combat basically. form of chicken right now yeah and so then we had the hunters which always came in pairs I think they're like supposed to be a 12 foot tall in the game mm-hmm. and those are the tanks you know yep. you don't fuck with the hunters and they suck to fight yeah and and something interesting about the hunters which you know we're gonna spoil for later on is the hunters are actually a colony of worms so you know and I'll, i'm gonna nerd out a little bit just one of those worms is called uh let golo but when you have a colony of worms it's called the mecha let golo so typically, you know, their armor is super tough and ever you see an opening or whatnot, it's that orange and that's the worms that you see. Mm-hmm. Fun fact. Tell that at the next party you go to. Interesting. And it also it also gives just like a, a, a nice premise to say, hey, here's a spot to shoot like you have with every yeah. kind of like mini boss. But it's, yeah. oh, no, that's actually the worms. It's not like <laughs> just a glowing circle for you to shoot. Yeah, that's that's the, this kind of colony. You yeah. Know? 
which I feel like such a fool. I didn't address all these enemies by their actual names. You have the elites who are the Zingheli. Mm-hmm. You have the grunts who are the Ungoy. You have the jackals who are the Kigyar. And then, of course, I said the hunters are the Letgolo or the Megaletgolo. Now, the next thing you fight later on are the, the Forerunner Sentinels, which we'll go into that later on. Mm-hmm. Basically flying machines that shoot beams at you. Mm-hmm. And then we have the Flood. Now, we see three versions of the Flood. We see the Infector forms, which are the little... Little, little, little things, little ball pods, yeah, I don't know call what to them. call them. They almost look like fish without little tentacle flippers. monsters. Yeah, we have the carrier forms, which, by the way, in this game are infinitely faster mm-hmm. than any other game. I'm pretty sure everyone was like, "Slow these fuckers down." Yeah, they are they are your fat bulbous sacks of tiny little pods that blow and, up. Yeah, they fall over, they blow up, and launch infector forms at you. And then we have the combat forms, which either come in the form of infected elites or infected humans Mm -hmm. now let's go on to talk about the weapons for the unsc and it's so crazy seeing this list once we put it together like man there are so few especially when i think the original third person was supposed to have like 30 weapons Mm -hmm. or something so we have the standard assault rifle which how do you put it is terrible Mm -hmm. uh we have the magnum pistol which is an absolute unit which is your sniper rifle <laughs> we also have a sniper rifle which is your pistol <laughs> we have the rocket launcher you also had of course the shotgun no matter what multiplayer campaign if you got the shotgun you're good to fucking go you you are if you're close enough and you mm-hmm. can get up on someone they're dead yeah even if it's shoot melee exactly that's it that's all you need And then we have a standard shrapnel grenade. So now let's move on to the weapons for the Covenant. Mm -hmm. Now, what you were saying earlier is, uh, before we started this, is how Covenant weapons, you know, they don't use ammunition like humanity does. Instead, we have, you know, a battery that starts at 100%, Mm -hmm. and it uses plasma, and eventually we just drain it down to zero. Exactly. So it's it's a a different tech they've developed, which basically has Mm -hmm. these plasma burns. That's at least for, you know, the the plasma weapons. Exactly. So to start out, we have the plasma rifle, which is basically a handheld assault rifle. Exactly. So so it is a continuous burst up until the battery is drained, or or if you... The weapon overloads. Yeah, you you can overload this, so that's what makes it a little unique. That's kind of com- comparable to reloading. Mm-hmm. You have to make sure it cools down. Next, we have the plasma pistol, which, again, is a handheld plasma weapon. And that the unique thing about this is you can overcharge it mm-hmm. and, and uh, disable and elite shields through that. And exactly. then that's where the noob combo comes from. Mm-hmm. Delete, or, you know, overcharge, shoot them, and then take out your pistol and shoot them in the head. So then we have the fuel rod cannon, which this is something that grunts wield, but we cannot use it. Not until the PC version, correct? Yes. Yeah. And then we have the needler, which I love within the lore to this day. No one knows how it works, at least no one on the UNSC side, mm-hmm. because it's, you know, it's this crazy pod looking gun that has needles sticking out of the front. And then you just shoot and they actually trace and follow you. And then once enough of them getting you, they explode. Mm-hmm. I also love the melee with it. It actually shows you taking it and hitting your enemy with the needle side and then you put it back in your hand. Yeah, it's it's cool. I mean, and, and I like that they've kept these type of things in because obviously it's not coming from that same development of that plasma rifle, plasma pistol. Uh I mean, it could be a different tech from one of the species that's there. You know, it it could be a number of things, which is really nice because it allows the team at Bungie as they developed Halo to be like, I don't know, just pick a race, make something cool from what they know as a tech. Exactly. 
So then we also have the plasma grenades, which we were talking about when we were playing it. The fuse time was just abysmal. Mm -hmm. You would throw and then it was probably, what, three or four seconds? It was long. And the one thing that I I, I can't think at that time of any game that did this, Mm -hmm. but you had those plasma grenades would stick to you or stick to an enemy if you hit them with it. Yeah. And that was pretty cool, which uh, I know at least within World War II, they, mm-hmm. they would use some kind of grease. So they had they wouldn't throw it, but you could stick it to something and run away and light the fuse. Yeah, like that sad scene in Band of Brothers. <laughs> and then we have the energy sword, you know, this iconic weapon from the Covenant that mm-hmm. we couldn't even play, use in Combat Evolved. They Anytime Ch- you'd kill an elite, it'd just go away. Yeah, they showed Chief use it, and we wouldn't get until Halo 2. To be able to be it. as badass as the trailer. As robot as master robot chief. chief. Robo chief. Yeah, robo chief. Now, so in the items, you had the health kit, which of course your health is getting low. Get the health kit. You also had the overshield, and then you had the cloak, which we've seen a lot of speedrunners use in order to go through. They just find every cloak in the game and then make it all the way through. Now we go on to the vehicles. And of course, we have the iconic Warthog, Mm -hmm. which I love the fact that the Warthog, 17 years later, hasn't really changed much. No, I mean, you've made some visual improvements. You've added Mm -hmm. like a Gauss cannon. You've added other elements to the Warthog. Uh Uh-huh. But you still have that like iconic feel and whoopy whoopy drive of it and just fun element of driving that around. And then we have the Scorpion, which, spoiler alert, gets slaughtered design-wise in Halo 5. Of course, the <laughs> Scorpion, you know, had, you know, just the, the big tank that could seat four people. It also had a machine gun on, a, a machine gun on it as well as just the initial cannon on the front. Mm-hmm. We as well have the Ghost. Again, something all up until about Halo 5 doesn't really, you know, have any kind of change to it. But then, you know, after this game, we do get boost on top of it so halo 2 and up we get the boost on the ghost and this thing was actually kind of hard to drive in halo combat evolved kind of swish everywhere yeah it was one of those things where you're dealing with a vehicle that didn't have wheels but you still had to kind of figure out how to drive it on like that hover for them Mm -hmm. and give it Um, some kind of like the developers had to give it some kind of physics you know exactly so it it did have that kind of draft feel where like you didn't get immediate stop you kind of just went with it a bit Mm -hmm. which was kind of cool if you're trying to cheese the game a bit and get some vehicles where they're not supposed to go yeah and then of course another iconic thing we have is the banshee Mm -hmm. the aerial covenant vehicle we have then the Wraith tank, which is non-drivable. We also have Pelicans, again, non-drivable. We have Spirit dropships that are kind of the tuning forks, mm-hmm. non-drivable. Never have been drivable, actually. And then we have the drop pods. We see them around, you know, when we land in the cutscenes, but again, something we can't really operate. Of course, I have to mention the UNSC Pillar of Autumn, the big, ve- the big vehicle. Of course. (laughs) Yeah. Truth and reconciliation. That too. All right. So now that we've basically been leading up to how this game was made, we're finally to the campaign. One of the most arguably iconic campaigns of all time and one of the most iconic game series of all time. Totally agree. I will say now for the audience, I'm not a fan. (laughs) <laughs> we'll talk about them more. We'll, we'll talk, talk about more. We'll talk about them more. But as we talk more, and if I, if I have a little negative connotation, we'll talk about that near the end. Yeah. But that'll kind of explain why I have it as we're talking yeah. through. As I said, uh, what was it? Thursday? It's a Monday right now. Thursday, we sat down together, and you played the campaign, and mm-hmm. I basically took all these notes. Yep. 
So I got to hear and see Alex get very frustrated. I did. I did one of the world's worst speed runs. <laughs> now, we start with the Pillar of Autumn, and the description for this is escape intact as the Covenant forces board your ship. I like how you describe this. The mm-hmm. campaign starts with you see the Pillar of Autumn, and you said it's a very Star Wars-esque intro, seeing that ship, you know? It is. You kind of have the ship crawling across screen which is one of the first things that you see in the mm-hmm. original Star Wars yeah um, and it's just this you see this massive ship and there's yeah. kind of a little space stuff it's just and unique design too it is and it, it is and, and I thought that was just really neat to start it out that way to get people super interested mm-hmm. that you're, you're like what yeah and then it even zooms in straight into the control center, and you see how, how big the ship is because of how small that control center is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have the iconic line, Cortana, all I need to know is, did we lose them? And she says, I think we both know the answer to that, which is a reference, you know, to the Fall of Reach book. You know, they're fleeing Reach because Reach just fell. Mm-hmm. So the Covenant beat them to this area, which is they find this ring world, and we meet captain jacob keys and we meet cortana mm-hmm. and at this point Keyes says you know wake up wake up the master chief she says already on it so this is now where we first meet master chief mm-hmm. and we go through that part that you were complaining about a lot which was uh the uh the the joystick test you yes. know you have to make sure you like it or if you ever want to invert it which I'm, <laughs> i love that you were just like who the fuck would ever invert this i'm not flying a plane <laughs> i don't need inverted <laughs> shooting controls so you know at that part and this is something I love is that, you know, once you get all your your uh, your control set, that's when the the Covenant board the ship and mm-hmm. they start to attack. And at first we don't really see them. We're kind of just seeing these silhouettes, you know, behind this this smoke of them, you know, starting to kill people. Mm-hmm. And you have to make your way to the bridge and you don't have a weapon. You're just seeing all these Marines around you killing these Covenant. And you have to just kind of make it through, and you're just like, shit, 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 shit. So, you know, you get to the bridge, and Key says he's going to land, the, the Autumn's going down. So he's going to land it manually on the ring. Mm-hmm. Everyone else needs to get off. And so by that point, he gives you the pistol, the iconic Magnum, which is actually, I, I never thought about, it, the first weapon we get to experience. Mm-hmm. So basically, Keys saves everybody. Pretty much. So then we go through and we start fighting off the Covenant. And by the very end, we find ourselves at a, a drop pod. You get a Marine inside of it, and then you leave the Pillar of Autumn. Now, this is where we find ourselves on mission number two, Halo. And it says, seek out surviving Marines and help them fight the Covenant. And so, of course, you start out, you crash land on Halo, and everyone else dies. Yeah, that's that's in your pod. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, not, there are there are survivors. Yeah. Uh, the game ends there. <laughs> um, so so yeah, you you crash land on Halo, and as we kind of said before, Halo is known as that open world style shooter. Now you were a little bit on the rails when you're in the Pillar of Autumn, mm-hmm. kind of going through the ship, getting your control. Not a lot of freedom. Not a lot of freedom. You still had some open spaces and still had routes you could choose. Mm-hmm. But this is really where it starts. And you look out and you're on this ring world and you can look up and see the rest of the ring and you look yeah. around you and see a waterfall and greenery and mm-hmm. this just beautiful lush landscape that you didn't have in these kind of grueling, grisly shooters of modern, you know, modern day with Call of Duty going to World War yeah. II stuff and with any other like shooter that you had, it was mm-hmm. always this kind of very compartmentalized effort. Yeah, absolutely. And so at this point, I think this is where we first see the Banshees. We see a, mm-hmm. first see a spirit and a Banshees because mm-hmm. a spirit comes in and it drops off enemy forces and you have Banshees start shooting at you and you, exactly. you make your way towards the hills. 
And at this point is when we find a forerunner structure and there's some Marines holding out there. So we have to, of course, you know, defend the Marines. And basically throughout this this mission, it's kind of wash, rinse, repeat. You, you find these you find Marines held off in an area. Mm-hmm. You help defend them. And then Fohammer, iconic character, comes in, picks them up, gets them out of there. Yeah. So she comes in with her pelican, picks mm-hmm. them up, and she she's the one who helps deliver supplies. So she yeah. comes in. Drops off a warthog, and you kind of go around to, like Jesse said, each part, and watch rinse repeat. But it does allow you to choose mm-hmm. which like section of marines you're going to save first. Yeah, but of course, after that first time, there is a part where you do go into this forerunner, almost cave, into this underground section. Which uh, where Cortana makes her famous, you know, this cave is not a natural formation, mm-hmm. which we have all fun trivia about here in a minute. But I, I love this scene where you go into this almost underground section and you make your way up to a control panel. Mm-hmm. And then you, you know, you see this little cutscene, very cinematic of the first time we see like this light bridge. And so we're starting to see this technology from that isn't Covenant that we don't know what it is. But, you know, they've like light tech, you know, light bridge technology to, yeah. to make kind of amazing things like that and another thing that you start to notice is that when you're in the warthog i I like about this is this is the only game that shows the passenger's health Mm -hmm. which i thought was really interesting i guess i just by halo 2 they're like nah fuck that doesn't matter doesn't matter if you know yeah it's crazy because like you have your your side passenger and then your gunner and you just see as that health goes down and i think that they put that in there to kind of be the same as like chief has health your Marines have health, uh-huh. so you track those things. Yeah. Um, and then once Halo 2 hit and you lost your health bar and you got that Call of Duty battlefield thing where, oh, your, you know, your shields go down. And then you, you can, really don't know how much time yeah, you have until you die. Until you die. So, yeah, having that in there is, it was, was really interesting and mm-hmm. it allowed, I, I guess, some tracking of your people if you cared. Yeah. yeah well, you know, if you have a gunner, then it, it helps a lot. Yeah. But, you know, after you save everyone, then Cortana finds out that Keys is being held hostage on the truth and reconciliation. Mm-hmm. This ship that she had disabled before they had left the autumn. So the mission ends, you board the Pelican, and you're off. Now, again, we made that kind of, uh, we said we'd have some trivia about Cortana's line. Now, originally, the cave that which uh, Cortana refers to as that, you know, didn't look like a natural formation. Apparently, this was going to be a cave at first that eventually slowly works its way into this like kind of man-made cave and thus you know they changed it later on but they kept her line so a lot of people don't know that context and that's why a lot of people kind of make fun of that line within the game Mm -hmm. now we have mission three the truth and reconciliation i liked the first half of this i didn't like the second half once we actually board the ship Sure. The description is board a covenant ship in an attempt to rescue Captain Keys. I like how they said in an attempt mm-hmm. because it always makes us like, oh, shit, are we going to find him dead? Yeah. Or, I did or, like or, that. Are we going to get captured? Or Yeah. You know, so, so it doesn't say it doesn't give you like the point, like, go pick him up. Mm-hmm. Just go help him out of here real quick. The mission starts at night and you are, make your way to the ship. And you ha- this is the first time we have the sniper rifle. Yep. With a shitload of ammo. Yeah, this that's one big thing, too, uh, about this game was they're like, yeah, just uh, just give a fuckload of ammo for everything. For everything. Have like, the shotgun, have, you know, 24 shots, like just, just yeah. have way too much for everybody. Exactly. So it, it kind of starts as a stealth mission until you fire the first shot. Mm-hmm. And then everyone knows you're there. Yeah. So you fight through a few waves of Covenant and you make your way to the gravity lift and you have to fight off more Covenant there. This is where we first see the hunters. Mm-hmm. They come down. You have to fight them off. 
Once you kill them, you make your way up the ship. And I actually love the scene and the music, you know, where everyone else comes up. And it also shows, like, kind of the size of Master Chief because it takes him, like, a few seconds before he can pick him up. Because mm-hmm. in the lore, he's, I want to say, like, 1,200 pounds or something, twelve or 1,300 pounds. Cause, something like that. Because the armor alone is half a ton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's 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 really cool too. I like that scene because you kind of see this crazy wonderment and like the Marines' faces themselves. Like, uh-huh. Whoa! Like we're actually yeah. getting like this lift up to this yeah. ship. Like it's, it's really crazy. Cool. Yeah. And so now we're inside the ship, and in the background, there's a lot of firsts for this mission. We first see a wraith, mm-hmm. but it's not being driven. No, it's just there as mm-hmm. utility. Yeah. So then we we fight off Covenant waves, and we make our way, and we find keys and some other prisoners locked up. And mm-hmm. so we go, we kill the elites guarding them, and we unlock them. So at this point, Keys talks about how he had heard the Covenant calling this ring world Halo. And he says, quote, whoever controls Halo controls the fate of the universe. So now they know, okay, Halo is a weapon. Mm-hmm. Which I like the fact that apparently there was going to be a whole mission around just finding out what Halo is. Sure. But it got cut. So, of course, they had to then just say, okay, well... Let's just add this really kind of out of place long dialogue, I guess. Which, which to me, I suppose is fine. If, yeah. if you can't put it in, I'd rather have kind of this dialogue that somehow Keys is like, yeah, so I just overheard them just talking right in front of me about this entire thing. And let me give you the entire <laughs> plot point of this. <laughs> let me give you the plot of the game. Yeah, let me give you the entire plot. Oh, Cortana also knows about it. That's really cool. Cool, 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 cool. Um, <laughs> but I'd rather have that. Then Mm -hmm. the developers just go, fuck it, just go to the next mission and they'll figure it out themselves. Yeah. And so you also find out that the Covenant are looking for the control room. Mm -hmm. So you all escape, you make your way out, and then we get the very ending, you know, you find a spirit drop ship and Key says, fuck it, I'm going to drive this. And this is where we see that really badass scene of two hunters come out. The spirit looks like a tuning fork. So he just takes the two sides of the ship and just crushes these two hunters Mm -hmm. and then just makes his way out. Just flies out. Just just as badass a captain as he is. He he is. Once we start talking about Halo, the fall of Reach, Mm -hmm. you know, you will really come to love this character anymore. Granted, I don't think I don't know how many people read that book prior to this game, but it made me like really feel for loving this captain even more after I read The Fall of Reach. I was like, God damn, he is a he's cool, but he's a lot. He's even cooler in the book. Yeah. And, and we'll, we'll touch on that more with our next episodes coming out uh, uh-huh. um, as we follow that along. But yeah, I mean, I was one to play the game first, then read the book and then mm-hmm. take that knowledge I already had and be like, wow. Everyone's really badass in this. Yeah, which I know that there are a few books, like, say, like, Bad Blood, that are going to give you some context post-Halo 5 going into Halo 6. So Mm -hmm. it's like, we're probably going to make sure we get on those and read those before Infinite comes out. Exactly. I I called it 6. How foolish of me. It's Infinite. Close enough. (laughs) It has an eye in it. So now we go into the fourth mission, The Silent Cartographer. And the description is as follows. Search for the map room that will lead you to the secrets of Halo. Which I think, honestly, I I love just like that kind of quote, the secrets of Halo, Mm -hmm. because it kind of is, you know, the whole premise of the game. We get dropped off at a beach, and this is the first almost kind of like battle. I like, you know, it's like we're running up and just uh, attacking them. Yeah, it's the first kind of like hot drop, or it's Mm -hmm. just like, all right, get in there. You're going to land on this beach. You're going to see like just And once again, my favorite thing, I think that I really liked was just the lush environment they built for Halo. Mm-hmm. The diversity in it. It wasn't just singular being on Halo the entire time. Like, you just didn't have to fight in these forests or, or in the beaches or things like that. You're on Covenant ships. You're in Forerunner tech. 
you've got all these things. So like the diversity mm-hmm. of change in missions, yeah, definitely keeps you in the game. Yeah, so that's something they did very very well. Mm-hmm. After you fight off these these Covenant initially, Echo Four One Nine drops off a warthog for you, and uh, you go and you explore this. Uh, you're on like an island. Yeah, you explore this island some more, which is basically just like a, where you can travel as a ring, and yes. in the middle are like these little areas like you, you can go into. Cortana, later on, you you make your way to inside of this structure, and you go to try to find yourself inside of the control room, but you get locked out by the Covenant. Mm-hmm. At this point, Cortana explains that they actually have a very good understanding of the rings, how the ring works, and using the ring's technology itself, which is Forerunner tech fun fact yeah and it's and it's it kind of gives you an idea that oh so they've known about a lot more of this than we have like we're Mm -hmm. kind of we're kind of just discovering a lot of this going along Mm -hmm. but they've been working with this for a while and you learn spoiler alert you know the covenant have been have been handling forerunner technology for years and years Mm -hmm. and it's definitely helped you know with their advances and everything they have going on Mm -hmm. and it's become their own holy relic yeah and so you you then make your way into a different structure this is where you kind of learn there's a lot of wash, rinse, repeat cycles within this campaign. Oh, yeah. You make your way into a different structure, then you unlock the door to this other structure. I find it odd that there's a, there's a, the unlock button <clears throat> from the outside is just on the other side of the this island. You yeah, know? you know how you have to do it. Yeah. And so then you make your way back to the other structure, you fight your way through, and then you eventually find yourself to the map room. Looking at this map, you can now find where the control room is because it's it's a lot of i need to find this room to find this room to find this to bring it back to this wash rinse repeat which is which as it is though is really interesting to Mm -hmm. see that like you have to go to these different spots like the the foreigners knew it's not just like oh push this button to activate halo it's here is the map of the whole ring Uh to see what the structure is where you have to go yeah and then eventually get to the control room which can control Mm -hmm. halo's abilities yeah and so then once you find the location Mm -hmm. of the control room you dip set. You get in to a pelican with Echo 419, and then she takes you underground. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of this mission. Which is awesome. Now, some fun trivia. Bungie has stated that, you know, this mission was actually originally just of a sandbox where they would just test a lot of things like lighting, graphics, weapons, and vehicles. They never really intended it for, you know, to be a mission, but it's it's later become one of the more memorable missions of the game. The original objective of this mission was to assassinate a Covenant prophet who was trying to find the silent cartographer. But then eventually we reuse this in Halo 2. And then our our next mission is Assault on the Control Room. and it, The funnest mission. Oh, it's, it's some top quality right there. <laughs> um, so you defend the control room against wave after wave after wave after wave after wave, after wave, after wave uh, of Covenant Troops. That basically uh, is the mission. We can move on. Yeah. No. <laughs> so so, so it, it, it starts where you left off in the last one. You mm-hmm. are on the island. You discover that there's this little uh, opening, not little, but opening that you can go into that Fohammer. giant You can fit a big ass pelican in, in there. Yeah. So uh, Fohammer drops you down into a bunker down there. And so you scare up this grunt and then it starts fighting. A whole little little mm-hmm. fleet of Covenant come out. You start off the battle. And then um, you, you make your way outside. Exactly. And this is the first time that we see that we're outside and there's snow. It's a snow almost a snowy biome yeah um and cortana notes that it seems artificial and kind of wonders why or is it malfunctioning is this what it's meant to do are they trying to mm-hmm. hide something here yeah and it, i i don't i mean there's explanations in the lore but you never get it uh within this game or the mm-hmm. missions as to why the weather is like it is now at, at this point you get a message from marines that hey please save us so of course like you've been doing throughout this game you go and save some marines as 
as often as you should. So afterwards, you have to travel through a lot of maze-like structures. You find yourself in these these rooms that have corridors, and they're kind of confusing, as we as we noted as we were playing through. They can be confusing, especially for a first-time player. Yeah, it's a lot of repeated structures. So mm-hmm. you basically have this kind of center room that you would go into with an outside mm-hmm. corridor, I guess, is the best way to describe it. That can kind of go on the outside of it with one side blocked off. So it's, it's almost a full circle with a wall blocking a part yeah. of it. So you make your way through all of these. They make several different trips kind of going through to make your way to the control room. Yeah. And so eventually you find yourself outside. And this is the first time that we see ghosts and that wraith tank mm-hmm. being used, which wraiths are kind of shitty in this game. Yeah, they, they they're... Well, if you get hit with them, they're not that shitty. True. It's just like, I don't know. They, they, oh, you see them operate super goofy. I don't know. I wasn't necessarily a fan. But then, of course, you know, you can use a ghost in this, in this mission. But, you know, later on, you find a scorpion. First time we get to use a scorpion and just dominate everyone, mm-hmm. including some hunters. That's the funnest part, seeing hunters and being like, not today. Yeah. And, and this mission. Like we said, it, it is the longest one that mm-hmm. is in Halo Combat Evolved, and there's various elements of the same hallway that you run through, the same thing you got to do, but there's different structures and different objectives as you uh-huh. go through them. So with this, you're kind of, you're taking the tank and going through different forerunner hallways, I guess is the best way to describe it, different yeah. underground structures they built. And you're, you're finding yourself going up places to go literally back down down and kind of a lot of a lot of running around those probably unnecessary but literally nothing what are you going to do now i i guess i guess the best way to put it is this is where bungie really flexed on everything that they could do mm-hmm. in this one map you've got yeah. banshees you've got ghosts you've got the scorpion war i mean you've got every vehicle i'd say this was kind of like the sandbox this was the yeah. sandbox mission uh-huh. that you're playing because you're testing out all the different covenant that you can kind of work with, all the different vehicles and structures that uh-huh. you can build, and just testing out these really different objectives. Mm-hmm. So finally, you find the control center, mm-hmm. and you put Cortana in the control center, and she's freaking out because there's just a wealth of knowledge that she's experiencing. Chief instantly is like, all right, how, how do we use Halo as a weapon? Which is always frustrating that, you know, Cortana's upset that she's like, well, it, it's not that simple. She doesn't really explain a lot because then... Shortly after, or it's all of a sudden, she's like, oh, my God, Captain Keys is trying to find this weapons cache. And now all of a sudden the Covenant have uncovered something. And, and she was like, what? She's like, doesn't matter. Go, go, go. So she just sends you to fight the, the like what you find out later is the flood. Yeah. So it's her but fault. But doesn't tell you. Yes. She's not like, hey, just an FYI. Uh, here are some at the time all we knew of just space zombies. Mm-hmm. She's just like, hey, just go. Yeah. And just kind of just sends you off. And so that's the end of the mission. Now, we go on to the next mission, 343 Guilty Spark. The description is creep through a swamp and meet the only enemy that the Covenant fear, which this one is where that we kind of get that unintentional horror aspect. This, You know, there are parts of Halo that you can treat as a horror game, and this is one of them. So, you know, Echo 419 drops you off in a mysterious swamp, and that's where Keys was last known to have been. So, as you're making it through, you see these explosions happening, and, like, the Covenant are, like, falling down, like, off of, like, hills and whatnot. And it, as you make your way to the entrance of a structure, you can see that the Covenant are fighting something, but you can't see what it is, because by the time you make your way there, it's gone. Mm-hmm. And so you take the elevator to a lower level where you find more Covenant. But then once you work your way through these these hallways, you're finding dead Covenant bodies and blood just covering the walls. And again, it's starting to find more, this more and more 
horror aspect. So then you eventually find this Marine who's scared of shit to see you, and you either have to leave him alone or he just keeps shooting at you until he kills you. So, of mm-hmm. course, you have to, this is one of the few times, it, if not the only time, it's like, shoot, shoot this Marine. And yeah. you're not getting, like, flagged for it. It is, and it, but, it, but it definitely draws up that, like, moral implication of what are you doing. Because mm-hmm. you can't just as easily leave him alone, or you can cap him. So then you find yourself at this room, and once you open the door, a dead Marine falls on you. And this is where you're just like, oh my god, what the fuck is happening? Mm-hmm. So you, you, you find a helmet of Private Wallace Jenkins, which is a character we will know and love later on, and you watch the footage. So... You see Johnson, Keyes, Walsh Jenkins, and some other Marines. They make their way into this structure. And they're noting as well that, you know, these covenant bodies are looking very weird and how they die. You know, it just doesn't make sense. I also love just the fun fact that Johnson's listening to metal and that the Marines just don't like it. So if anyone's curious, Johnson's a metalhead. And so eventually they find themselves in this room and they're kind of confused because they have yet to find weapons. And this is where we see the infector forms come in mm-hmm. and start attacking everyone. And then and then that ends. This point, you can you, you can't you can never see Chief's face, but by his actions, he's you can tell he's kind of nervous now. He's kind of scared. He's like, "Oh my god, what were these things I just saw?" And this is where then all of a sudden, just I think over a hundred by the end of it, you have to fight off about a hundred infector forms in this little room. Yeah, they just all so. start barging in. Yeah, because it basically. Because in the video, you see that they break, they're coming in through like these mm-hmm. doors, breaking down doors. And then as soon as like the video ends, the door in front of you bursts open and the infector yeah. forms file in. Yeah. And then finally, the final door opens and we also meet the combat forms. Mm-hmm. You, you know, we see elites infected, you know, and we see like, oh my God, you know, you see like their heads hanging off the side and the iconic and like the, the, the flood antennas coming out of the mm-hmm. face. So you have to make your way now out of this structure and you have to fight through through hordes of flood and finally you know you run into some marines at the very end you take the elevator back up and you have to fight your way out of the swamp as you're doing this you're hearing this ominous laughing mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden we meet 343 guilty spark mm-hmm. which describe them basically just a metal soccer ball with a blue light exactly it's it's this 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 little floating robot that's got this kind of uh-huh. blue light as i guess an eye if you wanted to say it the best yeah. way that's just kind of this like you said odd laughing that you would mm-hmm. you would experience in kind of any horror film yeah that's just very mm, non-caring yeah and so you meet him he says i'm the monitor of insulation four and you know it's my job to make sure that the flood don't leave this ring and then he transports you away and at that point echo 419 like yo where the fuck did you just go mm-hmm. so now we have an infamous infamous level the library Fight your way through an ancient security facility in the search of the index. This level is definitely wash, rinse, repeat. Yep. Basically, it's just lots of turns of just going through. You know, you get teleported into this facility and Spark informs you you must find the index. Mm -hmm. The index activates the halo ring and will kill all the flood. So this is the first mission where we meet the carrier forms, as we talked about before. And they're very annoying. Basically, this whole mission is very hard, very annoying. Lots of flood, especially if you're not Jesse and you actually played on Legendary. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of those ones where we played it through pretty easily. We put it through the other night because we just threw it on just mm-hmm. to get through it, and it's pretty simple if you're doing that. Yeah, but if you're actually getting through, like you definitely do get that kind of element of suspense when uh, yeah. Guilty Sparks is like, "Oh, hold on, I got to open this door," uh-huh. and then just leaves you there to have to kind of fight wave after wave. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it it can be tough. It's a yeah. tough one. Yeah, and so you're you're making your way through this library to find the index. And we could go on about every 
turn and everything you have to do. But it's a pretty straightforward thing. You keep going through the library. Eventually, you have to stop while Spark's getting ready to open this door. You fight off Covenant, and then you go through. In this level, we do see the Sentinels for the first time. They're fighting Mm -hmm. with you. They're fighting against the Flood. They're helping out a lot. The one thing that's frustrating is that they will hit you sometimes a lot. There's a lot of friendly fire. Yes. Playing through this sometimes, like, the Sentinels will kill you. Or they'll drain your shields, and then you'll die instantly once something touches you. Oh, exactly, because they're trying to shoot one of the Flood on you, Mm -hmm. and then they hit you, and then... You're immediately killed by a flood. Yeah. So you eventually find the index. And the second you take it, Spark takes it from you, says, you know, hey, uh, you're organic. You can't have this. So then you guys transport back to the control room. This is where we start the next mission. Two two betrayals. It's described as such. Reactivate the weapon at the heart of Halo and learn the truth. So at this point, you're taken back to the control room. Spark says to Chief, you can only activate Halo. I cannot. Mm -hmm. So as you try to do that, Cortana zaps Spark, which she says that she had been waiting for 12 hours, apparently. You know, you you play this mission in 40 minutes, so you're like, apparently all this time it was like 12 hours of Chief doing this. So it gives you context of like, he, you know, had to spend a lot of time fighting fighting the flood. So he's probably tired and cranky at this point. (laughs) Yes, that is exactly what I took away from it. Yeah, and she, you know, she then informs Chief, listen, this doesn't kill the flood, this kills the food, which is all of us. Mm -hmm. It, you know, Halo rings destroy central nervous systems. And thus, you know, they starve to death. And, you know, Chief says, well, is this true? And Spark says, yeah. Basically, he's just very nonchalant about it. He's like, yeah, of course. This is where we go into the famous line. He said, you already knew that. I mean, how couldn't you? And Larry says, last time you asked me if it were my choice, would I do it? And he says, yeah, which is something that we'll talk about. Man, we probably won't reference that line again for another year on this show, at least. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, it's never addressed in the lore for about another, you know, for 10 years afterwards or so. Not 10, but... Yeah, about 10 years later, you know, we don't find out anything about why Spark said that and having these odd memories with Chief, you know. Mm -hmm. We'll find out. You find out about 10 years later in the lore, which we will talk about then. Kind of rule for this podcast. We're not going to jump into, well, what he meant by this and explain, give you a 20-minute explanation from a book that we're going to cover eventually. Instead, we'll cover that book and come back to this reference. Exactly. So at this point, Spark says, all right, well, give me your construct or give me your AI. He says, no. So he says, all right, he tells the Sentinels, keep his head and kill him. So now at this point, you have to fight the Sentinels now, make your way out of the control room. At this point, Cortana is saying, okay, listen, we need to destroy Halo. I can use the Pillar of Autumn's fusion reactors to destroy the Flood and Halo. So you have to go then and destroy the pulse generators in Halo to distract 343 Guilty Spark and buy yourself some time. So that's what you you work on then. You have to destroy three total, correct? Yes, yeah. three total. And this is also one of the first of the last few missions where it's an entirely backtracking mission. So you're basically going back and doing assaults in the control room, but in reverse. Yeah, so you're you're seeing levels that you had literally had just seen a mission or two missions prior, a mission prior. Exactly. And so you're going back through to some of these same rooms that you've gone. Um, you're able to pilot the Banshee, fly through different areas, mm-hmm. and go into some of those corridors we talked about before, where you have a central system with a corridor around uh-huh. it, and you basically use your shield as this big pulse to overload yeah. it. I, I loved playing this, that if you have to, ju- you either, you have a, if, if you are an inch above where you should jump out of a Banshee, you die. Which it's like yes. either... Two foot from the ground. If it's if it's twenty five inches and not twenty four, you die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was definitely. You learned that. Hard that, was, that was I think that killed something. you the most. That definitely did. That ru- <laughs> that ruined the uh, perfect world record speed run we were on. 
mm-hmm. but yeah, so you basically go through and you go through three different modules, one that has Covenant, one that has the Sentinels, and one that has Flood that you have to deal with as mm-hmm. you're going through to do these. So you have kind of cool, they put it in there, that you have to deal with three kind of different elements. Yeah. As you go and drain your shield, which is a huge thing, especially against the Flood, that if you're pretty much hit once, you're dead. Yeah. And so by the end of that, Cortana says, you know, hey, I found out that uh, we, we have to go save Keys. He's back on the Truth and Reconciliation. So she figures out a way to transport Chief to the Truth and Reconciliation. Now, this is where we start out with mission number nine, which is Keys. It is described as such. Stage a one cyborg assault on a Covenant ship and bring back the captain. One cyborg. Is that you? Yeah. One cyborg. I guess. You're not really a cyborg, though. Mm. Kind of are. I mean, I mean, for the most part, before any lore was really built up, you were. I mean, you're basically a giant mechanic machine. Okay. So, yeah. With a dude slightly piloting it. Yeah. So the mission starts, you see the Flood and the Covenant fighting. So you're seeing like, oh my god, they're spreading pretty damn quickly. Mm -hmm. And as you're transported into the ship, you land upside down. I I liked uh, how I put in the note, Chief slaps his helmet as a fuck off to Cortana. Yeah, this is when they they both start getting really cheeky with each other, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, I, I like that. You hear Keys over the comm, you know, telling telling him to leave, leave him behind. Like, get off this ship, get mm-hmm. the hell out of here. Which I like that you found interesting. You're like, shouldn't they actually, you know, they're risking their own lives and they're the only people that can save humanity. Like, why are they here? Exactly. And he's he's disobeying a direct order. Yeah, which when... Keys mentions many times. Like, this is a direct order, leave. Exactly. Like, go and do the plan that you and Cortana have to overload the engine and uh-huh. destroy Halo. Yeah. It's it's a giant loss of life, but it is minuscule mm-hmm. compared to what Halo would do. Yeah, which is, again, a reason why you should like Keys, because he's like, nah, I'm good. Mm-hmm. As you have to, you, you eventually, what, you, you're making your way through the ship, and you have to get out of the ship, and you fall in this giant puddle of green ooze yeah which... so it's kind of where it landed so so this mission's part going back to the truth truth and reconciliation which you did in the mission truth and reconciliation mm-hmm. and then with a couple couple other elements that were kind of i liked because mm-hmm. y- it's basically you started at the end of the level of truth and reconciliation yeah and then you started back on the ground where you started the previous truth and reconciliation yeah. mission and then you eventually make your way fighting through the flood and covenant and, and like this goopy mm-hmm. water i guess if that's the best way to put that yeah 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 and uh then you make your way back onto the ship yeah and then again kind of you know you're going through these corridors you already know because yeah. because you're basically playing the same thing you you get to that exact same grav lift yeah and so eventually after fighting through hordes of covenant you find keys and before I even say this, he had been, you keep hearing him on the comms saying, leave, 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 do not come for me. I think if he was already still human, he would have said that, but you find out why. Mm-hmm. You walk into this control center and you see that Keys has become part of the flood. He's part of this giant mound. You know, Cortana says the line, the captain, he's one of them. At this point, then you have to get the chip out of Keys' head. So mm-hmm. you have to punch through and hear just the sound of bones breaking and you pull it out. Now you needed Keys' uh, chip in order for his authorization code to override the Pillar of Autumn's fusion reactors. So then now you ex- you escape the Truth and Reconciliation on a Banshee and you make your way to the Pillar of Autumn. Now we have the final mission, the Maw. Mm-hmm. Destroy Halo before Halo destroys all life in the galaxy. And it starts out, this Banshee that they're on is malfunctioning and Chief crash lands into the side. But I actually like that how you said... 
when this this mission, the moth starts out, it's showing kind of the pillar of autumn, and you said it's kind of ending how it started. This cinematic scene of the pillar of autumn seeing its true size, exactly, and, and crash landed, and it's and it's a juxtapose to it flying in space and all those other mm-hmm. things, but it's also juxtaposed to the first mission. Yeah. Because you are now back in the Pillar of Autumn and going through this desolate, destroyed, fire-ridden ship. Yeah. Like, flooded with... Well, there you go. Flooded with flood. Yeah. As as one would say. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Flooded just everywhere going through this ship, and they're fighting sentinels who've come to kind of deal with it. And you're trying to make your way to mm-hmm. get this fusion reactor to overload the engine, basically. Yeah, so a lot of the mission, you know, you make your way to the the control center fighting off flood and sentinels. Once you upload Cortana into the control center, you can hear Spark over the comm. And he's in the Pillar of Autumn, and he's very excited because he's learning about, like, he's been stuck on this halo ring. Mm-hmm. So now he has thousands, tens of thousands of years of history that he's learning about. He's like, why the hell would you destroy this? Like, we have so much history, mm-hmm. which it's odd, you know, that that's where kind of his mind goes versus, you know, where the, what they're trying to do. Yeah, I, I guess it, it boils down to because he's in the lowest sense of the word, a librarian. Yeah. And he is the keeper of information and keeper of this halo. So for him to be like, oh, shit, there's more stuff out there that you guys, like, that I'm learning now? Why would you destroy this information? Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is the character, I, which is the reason I, I like Spark, because he's very odd character on what his priorities are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we learn more and more about him as time goes on. Yeah. So something we actually noticed, I think originally in the Keys level, mm-hmm. but then we noticed in the Maw is that black elites or the Spec Op elites start popping up, and you don't see them anywhere prior in the game oh i i honestly kind of forgot about that did notice that because it's in like the last two mm-hmm. missions that you're yeah, really seeing yeah. that happen yeah and so why we were in the control room is we initiated the override to overload these fusion reactors but mm-hmm. then you know that's when spark came in and stopped it so now we have to manually go do it and that's where you know chief says can i just use a grenade and he has that softball size <laughs> grenade that he's yeah. like showing off so then, you know, we go and we throw grenades or Cortana says you can use a rocket launcher and we override these four. We destroy these four fusion reactors. Mm-hmm. So now we got to get out of there. So we make our way through Covenant and Flood and Echo 419 is going to come and get us. So we're in Warthog at this point. Yeah, we're, we get in the Warthog mm-hmm. and we make our way there. As we're waiting, Banshees shoot down Echo 419 and we lose a very iconic character. So Fohammer mm-hmm. goes down with it. And this yeah. this was our exit strategy. Yeah, um, Captain so, goes down with the ship. Exactly. And so so we lose this really cool iconic character mm-hmm. and you and Cortana are like, oh, we've got to keep going. And so yeah, you just have to go. What you thought was the end of the mission, it's like, nope, you've got a bit more to go. Now we know, you know, there's this long sword at the end of this tunnel. Mm-hmm. We got to go make our way to this long sword. You yeah. know, and at this point that the autumn is getting ready to get destroyed. You have a timer. You make your way through all these flood and these covenant. You find yourself at the long sword and you run in at the last second mm-hmm. and you make it. You get the hell out of there, and behind you, you see Halo. The The autumn blows up, and Halo, bits of it are blowing off and destroying other bits of it. And so one of the last scenes of the game, we see Chief and Cortana in in this longsword. You know, Cortana says, Halo, it's finished. And Chief says, no, I think we're just getting started. So a, a great little fun line to say, hey, let's keep on this adventure. Yeah, um, if this game sells well. Yeah, but but it, but it is it is really cool. I mean, we, we didn't really talk too much about this, but just the just the badass one-liners. 
that mm-hmm. Chief has. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and just just to kind of get these little quips in, like he didn't mm-hmm. have a lot of lines throughout the entire series. No. Of it. Um, but with this, like you get these little insights, uh-huh. especially a lot of it building Cortana and Chief's relationship. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, and it ends with, you know, the camera pans out and right as you can't see Chief in his helmet, you see him take off the helmet. Mm-hmm. But people hacked into the game and you find out they never rendered a face for Chief. He's just taking a helmet <laughs> off of his helmet. But and then we have to touch on the legendary ending, which every good Halo game has. Mm-hmm. Now, this legendary ending is not canon. It was just a fun little thing to put in there. We see Johnson fighting a stealth elite, and they're they're fighting over an assault rifle. And they look up, and they see the Pillar of Autumn start to explode. And so Johnson says, I think, what does he say? Bring it in, baby. Hold me. And they hug, and they embrace their doom. Mm-hmm. Again, not canon, but always a fun little thing yeah. that to watch, you know. And it was just Halo having that comical side, as serious and emotion-evoking as it can be. It can also just be goofy and fun. It does. It hits on all sides. And... What I really love, I remember my initial feeling with when I was a kid when I played this game. Mm-hmm. You get to the end, Chief takes his helmet off, and that's when you first discover that this kind of could be a human with this. It's not mm-hmm. like because they say the one, you know, the, the one cyborg assault. They kind of reference all these machine things mm-hmm. and don't reference your your humanity, really? which is yeah, which is something that is slowly explored upon throughout the, the the series. Unless of course you've read the book prior to playing this game, but not a lot of people did. Exactly. So I, I thought that was. Such a neat ending that two reasons leave the audience wanting more. One, the fight's not over yet. But two, we're getting interested in these characters now. Uh-huh, absolutely. Like, we now see that he has this kind of personal side and, like, takes his mm-hmm. helmet off. He's taking a break. Yeah. And so now, and something I always want to do after we go through a campaign walkthrough is I always want to touch about talk about the music. Because I think the music is such an important part in every Halo game. Mm-hmm. So, Halo's soundtrack was created by Bungie Studios audio director... Martin O'Donnell and Michael Salvatore. The soundtrack received a large amount of praise from many critics. The official soundtrack was released June 11th, 2002 under the Something Else Music Works label. The soundtrack contains 27 songs, including the opening suite, The Truth and Reconciliation, On a Pale Horse, Dust and Echoes, and Halo. Now, when Martin began writing the music, he asked what the tone, tone of this game was and what the tone of the music should be. And he was told it needs to be something ancient, epic, and mysterious. While he was driving to Mike's house to get ready to record this, mm-hmm. he created the melody in about a half hour. The iconic, oh, and, you know. That was abysmal. <laughs> We're going to go ahead and dub that over for you guys. So you guys are going to that. <laughs> and so, you know, if this is known as Gregorian chants, uh, which I also like the fact that he, he uses different elements because later on uh he he puts in arabic chants otherwise known as kawali which is you know anytime you hear that that female singing in those tracks that's what this is now something also unique about halo is he didn't want the music to just be static he didn't want something that was always playing he mm-hmm. made sure he would sit with the developers and ask them what do you think the, the player should feel and they'd say they should feel scared. So he'd say, okay, at this point, once they cross this line, that's when the scary music comes on. Or, you know, at this point when the, the player should feel, you know, jazzed and pumped up, then that's when this song's going to come mm-hmm. in and really just make them want to fight more. Oh, yeah. And we really noted that when we did our playthrough. Yeah. Of like, especially one when, like, Chief's going down to discover the room uh, where, where he first discovers the flood. And yeah. it's like this this creepy kind of music sets yeah. right in for you. Yeah. Um, um, and it's something I've always loved is that he's really invested in how the player feels through music. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's created these iconic sounds that we all know. Now, 
something else that was kind of interesting is some of them came with a bonus DVD. This bonus DVD came with four things that you could view or listen to. The first official Halo 2 trailer, a concept demo on at Mombasa on Earth featuring Master Chief Johnson Marines alongside with Cortana's voice being heard on the demo. The third option is the music from the trailer and the fourth option is the music from the demo. Now, there's a piece of music that is heard on the level Assault on the Control Room but isn't on the soundtrack itself. If you do some digging into halo.bungie.net, you'll be able to find a list of unused and unnamed tracks that were originally made for Combat Evolved. The track has officially, or more or less unofficially, been named The Lost Song by fans. Some of these other tracks that were never used actually have a lot of similarities and to some stuff in Reach, and I think even one song eventually does get reused for Halo Reach, which once our episode about Reach comes out, we'll talk about the similarities between both Halo Combat Evolved and Reach. So yeah, so, so as we wrap... Like we've we've given you kind of the start to end mm-hmm. as far as the campaign and Halo as a game has come about. So we want to go through like some general reactions of I mean how it was received mm-hmm. when it first came out. I mean Halo was the main launch title for the Xbox, mm-hmm. and I agree with this entirely. But it is said to be the game that made the Xbox what it is today. Absolutely. Um, I mean it's widely renowned for saving the Xbox and really putting that console on the map. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're already competing with Nintendo and Sony yeah. and just, just other companies at the time that mm-hmm. could have just crushed it. It could have just been like, look at that flop. Uh, come to us. We've got some really cool exclusives. Yeah. Let's do that. Now, but it was it's crazy that it wasn't like an initial like overnight success, but over the course of two years that it was released, it stayed on the top 10 chart. It never fell off. So it was like its popularity took a minute, but not that long. No. But it was still, you know, granted, they said that I think... About 25% of people who owned an Xbox also owned Combat Evolved. Mm-hmm. It's it's one of the highest rated games ever. You know, IGN gave it a, what, 9.7 out of 10. X-Play gave it a, a perfect 5 out of 5. And it got Game of the Year for from IGN, EGM, OXM, and AIAS. Overall, it's... It was it was such a, a cultural phenomenon that, you know, eventually led us to this culture that we have now and this this podcast. It was regarded as such a, a damn good game and it was different for its time. The general reaction, you know, it's it's everyone's kind of been loving this game. Now, there are different versions of Combat Evolved. Now we have First, Halo PC. Halo PC is a computer port for the Halo Combat Evolved for both PC and the Mac. Though this version does not have multiplayer or campaign split-screen capabilities, this version featured six new multiplayer maps. Cut weapons like the Flamethrower and the Fuel Rod Cannon that are both usable and cut-drivable vehicles. Then we have the Japanese cover, which I, I love this cover. Mm-hmm. I would love to try to get, get a version of this for the studio. Sure. We also have Game of the Year version, Platinum Hits, and then Platinum Hits Best Of, in case anyone's curious about how many times, I guess, we can resell this game and oh, people exactly. are still going to buy it. Yeah, as a marketing ploy, you're like, I know you've played it, but have you played it? But also, have you played it? <laughs> have you played it? Have you played the best of? Yeah. Have you played the best of? And the Platinum Hits Best Of. Now, we have the Halo Triple Pack, which is Halo Combat Evolved, Halo 2, and the Halo 2 multiplayer disc. Again, something I want for the studio. I don't want to drop 70 bucks for this. Mm -hmm. I have seen, though, the box float around. 
And there's nothing different about any every those three games that go inside of it. I'm tempted, but nah, I think we got we <laughs> we got it. We got to stay true to it. Yeah. And then we had a Japanese only release, which is Halo History Pack, which was Halo Combat Evolved, Halo Two, and a sneak peek at Halo Three. Mm-hmm. And of course, there is the original version that is available on the anniversary version that was released originally on the Xbox 360, along with it being released on the Master Chief Collection again in 2014. We're, we're eventually going to try to get all of them to put it on this nice stack that of games that we have in the studio right now that will eventually make it onto a shelf. Yeah. hundreds of dollars later yeah donate to us so we can buy these games please and now for me we're on to one of our my favorite portions of halo which was the multiplayer mm-hmm. uh, it's really what got me and my friends into the game it does coming back and if you haven't played halo or halo multiplayer at some point basic description for you is it's up to four players on a console can do a split screen mode where basically you just screen peek and cheat and piss all your friends off <laughs> and have a great time doing <laughs> have it. you seen those those photos of people who like put card board oh, like yeah. on top of each oh, other. We, we did that. We definitely <laughs> did that because we weren't playing that bullshit. I was just an honest person. Even to this day when I play multiplayer with Wellickson, she looks at my screen. I just I can't help it. You just kind of go where are you at where are you at didn't mean to but i drifted sometimes (laughs) you don't so yeah you had you had your old school couch co-op you also had the option of linking up to other three other xboxes together through a network lan so four total so four total Mm -hmm. uh, and, and four controllers on each so a total of 16 players which was really awesome. And we, I was only able to do it once because we were kids, didn't know what a network yeah. LAN was, but we had a friend's brother who set us up and it was such a cool Did night. Did you have to have four TVs too? Or yes. could you do, okay, I was supposed to say, because you would be like posted <laughs> note size on those little tube televisions. Yeah, we're playing on like a 21 inch TV. We've got like 16 <laughs> different cut screens. It's great. Kids don't know how good they have it today. No. I mean, we sound old saying this, but this this idea of like you do have that twenty inch tube television. So imagine now dividing that into four. Oh yeah, or even, really... even splitting it to two was weird because yeah. you had this weird boxy vision where you had mm-hmm. no up and down. Is like all right, it's either left or right, pretty much. Yeah, so it's really cool. And then another thing that the community helped build was being able to kind of create this Xbox hack where you could tell your Xboxes that you're quote-unquote on a LAN network but be able to play online. It's a really cool thing that let you bypass that LAN need and play with your friends. The biggest issue, though, it was super buggy. The game was never really built to play on that. And a lot of players at the time, you didn't have this 100 megabit service to be able to play Mm -hmm. across, you know, with your friends online. So it just made for... An okay experience, but it at least allowed you to do it. Yeah. Which was neat. So one of the things I really loved with Halo was the different game types that you had. So you had your classic Slayer, Kill or Be Killed, mm-hmm. uh, various game modes, you can do teams, and such and such like that. You had Capture the Flag, another classic. Mm-hmm. That, that, uh, that's uh, All these game modes that you're about to list are still going on today. Exactly. And they're game modes that you've seen in a lot of different games, um, but Halo kind of took their own twist on a lot of it, which yeah. is really nice. And one of those twists was Oddball. Yeah. And Oddball is basically a game of kind of monkey in the middle keep away, uh, mm-hmm. where one player had to get the skull, which was the Oddball, and you basically racked up time holding it. Mm-hmm. And you weren't able to use guns or grenades, but basically you could when use... You were, when you were the Oddball. When you had the Oddball, correct. Yeah. You still ran around and tried to kill the dude with the Oddball mm-hmm. to grab it, but basically you couldn't use any weapons, but you could use his melee, which inflicted a huge amount of damage, basically a one-hit kill for the most part. Yeah. Uh, which is really, really cool. Another classic one you had was King of the Hill. Basically, find the point, sit on the point, 
earn some points. Yep. Once again, various game modes with that. Uh, and then lastly, you had race, which was basically kind of a circuit race, point to point, where it functioned just like Halo. You could shoot some yeah. people up, snipe them out, but you just had to make sure that you got to all your points. Mm-hmm. So what else was was featured in Halo Combat Evolved multiplayer? Like, let's talk about maps and whatnot. Let's do it. Because one of the most memorable things people think of when you think of Halo Combat Evolved multiplayer was these maps. Mm-hmm. They expanded the Halo universe. You had Covenant-styled maps. You had Halo-styled maps. You had human kind of... Uh, interior styled maps which is really you had cool. maps on the ring yes exactly and it was just it was these really cool things that a lot of other games at the time had like these just very generic mm-hmm. ring maps or jump around maps or just hallway maps so the original halo combat evolved on xbox had 13 total multiplayer maps mm-hmm. uh, that spanned from smaller maps such as beaver creek or rat race which are kind of these more intricate base-to-base or just smaller hallway maps, mm-hmm. um, and some larger ones like Blood Gulch, which you've seen come to life in things like Rooster Teeth's Red versus Blue, which is kind mm-hmm. of iconic with like red base, blue base. Yep. Um, and then also one, which is one of my favorites, which is Sidewinder, which is kind of this L-shaped box canyon with two mountain bases where you could take a teleporter out to this kind of like little recon base that had a rocket launcher and allowed for vehicles. So it was really cool to be able to have these different modes where it's mm-hmm. either more of like an intimate firefight or more of a grand scale battle. One of the other really cool things that multiplayer offered was when you jumped over to the PC version of it. Uh-huh. Not only did it include all these maps that you had, but you had six additional maps, totaling 19 uh, which we see come to life in the Halo Master Chief Collection. Yeah, which is which is really really cool to be able to see that. Mm-hmm. Something we'll we'll dive into a little more once we get to that episode. Exactly, and coming from someone you know, like as a kid didn't have a PC to play this, mm-hmm. it's just really cool to be able to experience that. Yeah, and then we touched on this a little bit earlier, but Halo PC multiplayer mm-hmm. also gave us two exclusive weapons, and those weapons are you had the fuel rod cannon, which we see in later Halo games. The one of the big differences you see here is that it used energy ammunition such as the plasma pistol and plasma rifle so it was based on a battery percentage and not ammo like per round exactly so basically you worked with overheating your gun as you do with most of the other plasma weapons as opposed to the rounds that we eventually see in the later Mm -hmm. halo games now this made it a little bit overpowered as i was testing and playing through it you could get five rounds out immediately without it overheating which means that if you took your time, I mean, you could waste that up and still have plenty to keep going without overheating with it. Yeah. Uh, which is really neat. And then in another weapon that we kind of see a new iteration of is the flamethrower. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest reasons we're not seeing the flamethrower on the Halo Combat Evolved on Xbox mm-hmm. is just the rendering quality you had to do. Doing these real-time flame animations that came out, even the PC was a little tough doing that because as you're playing around with it and moving the weapon you only got your full distance if you stayed in one spot. Yeah. If you kind of moved around or went with it, you only got a shortened distance. And it wasn't really that effective of a weapon. Uh, Playing with it, you had to do at least two and a half, three seconds of direct damage constantly to even lower shields down. Yeah, well, remember before uh, Halo Combat Evolved had come to console... They were bragging about that graphics card they had. And one thing that they they showed in that little trailer was the card shooting flames. So it kind of makes sense now that now that it's on the console, they couldn't render it as well as they could. So they had to cut it out until it 
came back to PC. Exactly, because on consoles, you're still dealing with such a small kind of console chip that people were really, really like construed by and had these limits. So not being able to render that thing, it made sense not to try and even push that into the console mm-hmm. version. So what's your favorite part about the multiplayer for CE? You grew up on it. So like, what, what, are, what are some of your fondest memories of it? I mean, some of the stuff is just your, your to start is just your, your Slayer, your team Slayer, just one-on-one or free-for-all Slayer. It was cool because it allowed you to really get with your friends, you know, find that sniper rifle, find that rocket launcher, and just kind of Eventually be... shoot your friends for that sniper rifle exactly. or and, rocket launcher. Yeah, and just be the bane of their existence throughout that. <laughs> uh, so it's just really cool, and it really paved the way to getting into these different game modes that, as a kid, mm-hmm. you know, you never really... I never really delved into it until I started playing with my friends. We're like, okay, mm-hmm. we've played a lot of Slayer. We've played this. We love these maps. We know the mm-hmm. ins and outs. So let's try Oddball. And then that's when you see... Yeah. Who is the most maneuverable? Who knows the level the best? Mm-hmm. That was always a thing when you're like, oh, okay, cool. You know how to get to that point. Yeah, well, it's like you know how to get to that point quickest and hold that point or hide from people, mm-hmm. which is always such an interesting strategy that that our, me and my friends would do whenever we were playing some of the later online games. It, it was, and it was just it was just a neat experience. And then mm-hmm. I'm going to go over just a couple of the levels that, like, when I played through this again, just really brought back those memories. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, with Blood Gulch, uh, which kind of gone through a couple name changes, some updates as we go, and we still a map we see today. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I was that kid who, in seventh grade talent show, acted out the entire first scene of Red versus Blue. Phenomenal. I-, I would say it's the best work to date that I've ever done. And since I was at a pretty strict Catholic school, we had to basically change all the curse words that were in there. To what? What did you change them to? Frick and frack and crud and all your I, I feel your like you'd still get your knuckles bruised for that at a Catholic school. Oh, we did not get to do it. Uh, oh, you didn't? We, we did the entire thing. It was six of us. We did the entire thing, and we got, maybe let's choose something else. Uh, and I thought it was one of the greatest things we've ever created. And it to this day, I will say it's the greatest thing I've ever done. I can't wait to do an episode about Red vs. Blue eventually. Yes. That's going to be very fun. And the evolution of Rooster Teeth starting from Halo Combat Evolved to now. It's 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 an amazing run. It's Like I said, it's a company I've followed forever since then. So it's really mm-hmm. cool to see that rise. So like I said, that's one of the big reasons I love Blood Gulch. Uh, another one that I really loved was Beaver Creek, which we also see in Red vs. Blue. Mm-hmm. But it's one where you were just really tight quarters. It was basically if you took Blood Gulch, chopped it up, smashed it together, and you got real close bases. Yeah. Uh, which was really neat. So, And I could talk about these maps all day. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like I said, it's a huge nostalgia trip for me for this multiplayer. Yeah. But to keep us on track on this and to mm-hmm. keep you guys not here for five hours like I could be here for, I wanted to bring up just a couple more of the really cool like customization options mm-hmm. and just kind of alternatives you had in multiplayer. Yeah. There wasn't even nearly as much as we're seeing in the later games of customizing armor right. and things like that. It was a fraction of what it is yeah, today. And it's kind of what you had back then. It's basically you were able to choose your color. So you had 18 different colors to choose from and go through. So if you wanted to be a pink Master Chief, yeah, or you, you could be a pink Master Chief. You can be the turd Master Chief and be the turd Master Chief. <laughs> you know, you live your life how you want to live it. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of where that customization started. And then each game mode let you break it down into other types. Like I talked about the option of having teams, mm-hmm. having solo, changing the weapon layouts that you could have on the map, the respawn rate, and then also things like the time, kill limit, all those type of scoring options really allowed you to change it up 
and to kind of make your own modes with your friends. Yeah. And the thing is, looking back, as I went through this and just kind of did a bit more research and just my own nostalgia trip with it, for me, the multiplayer was really the most important of that game. I mean, the campaign brought you in, but the mm-hmm. multiplayer is why you stayed. Yeah, it kept you going. As as fun as that campaign could have been, you're not going to play it exactly. 20 or 30 times. Exactly. I mean, I may have. But <laughs> it was a very linear campaign that you could play a couple times with your friends. It was really cool. You could do Legendary. But I think Halo and the multiplayer that Halo brought... Mm-hmm is really what got people onto Xbox, got them to keep coming back, and got them as loyal Halo fans overall. Especially, you know, once they were done with the campaign and they started playing the multiplayer, at this point we're kind of expecting a second game. So what are they going to bring next? Exactly. Now that we've gone through this, you know, we spent well over an hour, about an hour and a half, talking about all of this. I would like to ask you, Alex, what do you think of Halo Combat Evolved? Uh, So I touched on this a little bit when we started the campaign, and after playing through this again, right before we initially recorded this, mm-hmm. it's a staple in the Halo universe. Mm-hmm. I hate playing it today. <laughs> there are some elements I dislike. I know the wash, rinse, repeat aspect of that drinking game. Every time we, we say that, re-listen to this episode. Every time we say that, take a shot. Exactly. Uh, winner dies. Yeah. And for me, I mean, it was it was huge that... I had to keep playing this over and over and over again. And I get that for level design, it makes sense because you can have me go through the level once and then have me go back Mm -hmm. and change it up, whether you add flood in, whether you Mm -hmm. add a whole new texture pack to it. Well, you got to remember, again, we touched on this nine months. So it's a little forgivable, a little bit. A tad bit. A tad bit. But I'm saying back then, fantastic. Compared Mm -hmm. to something I want to play again today, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's just... Nah, you know there's one guy that's like i swear to god 17 years later this game will not be as hyped as you think it is people are gonna be like this game's fucking repetitive and that guy's gonna listen to this podcast and be like oh my god i was right and you know what sir you are right <laughs> no but but it, it goes back to as well like my my real experience with halo came down to the multiplayer aspect of uh-huh. it being able to play some couch co-op with friends you know jump into blood gold jump into sidewinder jump into all these maps that like mm-hmm. looking back as we went through because we were like dude we did a little refresh on multiplayer on it i'm like mm-hmm. oh that one oh and that one yeah oh and that, that was in like combat evolved first like just trying to get that that reiteration of like where these maps originated yeah. from it, that helped like me th- into my childhood of mm-hmm. gaming was really like halo of itself and that's what yeah. brought me to microsoft as a loyal xbox player and again you know the, the it's it's the reason we have I'd, I'd like to say gaming we have today I, you know and I agree with you it's it's hard to play now still a great game and I think it stands the test of time with sure. some of its elements you know again as we talked about earlier there's no way that there are people who occasionally go and not only play the first fallout for mm-hmm. nostalgic reasons but because they genuinely want to play it once in a blue moon I will I'm like I feel like playing some of these missions you know once we get to the timeline with our episodes, we will be doing an episode all about Combat Evolved the Anniversary. Yeah. That'll be a fun one to do. Because when we did do this replay, or this, the, you know, we did this playthrough right before, we did it all classic graphics. Yes, yeah, so we played on the Master Collection. Master, Master Chief, Chief Collection. Collection. And... We did cheat, though. Because it was on the Master Chief Collection. It was the we Master Chief Collection. We should have just taken the original, plugged it in. We did not bust out an Xbox. <laughs> uh, that, mine is dead. Mine's been dead. I, um, I still got mine from high school. So we can we can play that. We'll if, do that for Halo 2. We'll do that for everything pre 
Xbox One. Exactly. We'll bust out that clunky ass garbage original Xbox <laughs> controller that's made for a giant, and we'll go ahead and play through it for you guys. But yeah, overall, this was I, I, I liked having to replay through this and do the research on this. You know, the sources we used both Halopedia and we used the Halo fandom website. We went over YouTube channel Gamer. Uh, the A is a V. You know, they have a a video called A History of Cut Halo Games and Concepts has a lot of good information on it. And then we also used a, a Vice article. Mm-hmm. I think it's like the untold history of Halo. That was a huge, huge source for this episode. I'd say anyone who's interested in a lot of details, go read that article. It's probably a two or three hour read, just an FYI. Oh, it, it's it, so long, but it's so good. I, it's so I love it. it. Oh, yeah. Because you do get that. I mean, what I love today is getting those like behind the scenes of how stuff happened. Like I was telling, talking before, like knowing that they're like just eating pizza, throwing socks. Yeah, they don't give a fuck. Yeah, like that's such a cool start to like mm-hmm. such an empire. So that's definitely a really cool article. And as and with this is always too, like as we build this up, like we mm-hmm. want to keep hearing from you guys yeah. for any like cool stories and sources that you have for these things that we can include in our research. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it, 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 tell us because we'd love to even give you a shout out on the show. Like, but it by all means, we're not going to try to hoard like where we got this. We're going to say this Reddit user told us this that we didn't know. Exactly. Gr- granted, give please give us a solid source. Don't just say, well, I heard this. Well, I heard Martin O'Donnell punched women. Be like, yeah. do you have a source for this? We want to be as journalistically transparent as possible with our sources we don't want again as i said we don't want to hoard this you know if if you want to give us a cool source by all means give it well exactly and we want to make sure that we're giving the correct information like we're mm-hmm. doing the research as we can through various sources that, that yeah that, as greenlit greenlit by bungie uh-huh. that users have given us that the vice article and things like yeah. that and we want to make sure that this is as interesting as mm-hmm. accurate as podcast as possible mm-hmm. yeah minus the two playthroughs we both did a playthrough on our own and then got together and did a playthrough mm-hmm. of combat evolved minus the amount of hours i was put in about eight or nine hours of research went into this yeah you know, and i want to make sure that it's legitimate as possible overall thank you for tuning into episode one mm-hmm. of finish the fight a halo podcast as always we are on social media you can find us at ftf halo cast on twitter you can find us on instagram at finish the fight podcast you can also find us on soundcloud itunes spotify stitcher and youtube and just to know episode two will be coming out two weeks from when you hear this episode and it will be on the master chief collection coming to pc and with that i'm your host jesse reiners and i'm your host alex kendall